Welcome to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health, the podcast that shows you how to live a longer and healthier life, showcasing doctors, clinicians, and patient stories. The goal of South Coast Health is to help and inspire you to navigate your health journey with knowledge, comfort, and ease. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Healthy Aging Podcast with South Coast Health. I'm Patricia Raskin, your host. We're talking today with Joan Wildenhain, nurse practitioner, and also Christine Salvo, a registered nurse at South Coast Health and a patient of Joan Wildenhain. Joan Wildenhain earned her Bachelor of Science degree in nursing from Rhode Island College in Providence, Rhode Island. She furthered her education and expertise by earning her Master of Science degree in nursing from the University of Massachusetts Medical Center in Worcester, Massachusetts. Prior to joining South Coast Health, Joan had experience both as a registered nurse and as an advanced nurse practitioner. She has national certification in fracture liaison services, and her clinical interests include fragility fractures and osteoporosis. Joan's personal philosophy of care involves listening attentively to each patient's needs and treating them the way she would treat herself or a family member. Her work is inspired by the ability to positively impact a patient's quality of life. Joan chose orthopedics for its challenging and rewarding nature and will serve the South Coast community with the mission of making a difference in people's lives. And again, we have also with us Christine Salvo, a registered nurse at South Coast Health and a patient of Joan Wildenhain. Welcome, Joan. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Thanks, Patricia. Hi. All right. Joan, I'm going to start with you and just want to ask you, what is the normal cycle of bone health? Well, when you're born up until you're 20 years old, you are depositing more than you are withdrawing for bone. Then from 20, which you reach your peak bone mass, till the time of menopause, you are depositing and withdrawing the same amount of uh, bone. Our bone is a living tissue like our skin. We get rid of old skin. We have new skin. We remove old bone. We have new bone. Then when menopause hits, we deposit less and we withdraw up to 10 to 20% in the first two to five years of menopause. And then we continue to withdraw more, but not at that steep amount. So the takeaway is that beginning of life, you're building bone. End of life, you're taking away more than you're building. So the question is, does that mean that when a woman goes into menopause, that she is at high risk for osteoporosis because of the bone loss? Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Okay. And what is osteoporosis exactly beside bone loss? It's the microstructures tend to be less. Um, you lose the vertical structure. If you look at a building and you see that there's a roof and there's a, a, a foundation that's thick, that starts to thin. And then you lose the vertical structures as well that start to get sparse so that they can actually collapse on each other. Hmm. So is it only women who develop osteoporosis? Can this happen to men as well? Yes. One out of two women over the age of 50 have osteoporosis and will fracture. One out of four men over 50 right. will have osteoporosis right. and will fracture. So it's not, that's a myth. It's not a female disease. Okay. It's a human disease. So are there risk factors that can be changed we know that what can't be changed is that bone loss will help and happen naturally, right? No matter how well you take care of your bones, you're still going to lose bone as you age. Is that true? 
That is true, but you can halt the progression of it by doing certain activities. But what you can't change is one, you're a female, two, you're growing older. You can't change genetics. If it's in your genes, you can tone genes down, but you can't change that. If you become autoimmune diseases affect uh, osteoporosis, your bone health. So that those things you can't change. What would those autoimmune system diseases be? One would be lupus. One would be rheumatoid arthritis. One would be celiac disease, Sjogren's disease. So there's a, there's a few autoimmune diseases that actually affect the bone health. What about osteoarthritis? In the sense of osteoporosis? The difference yes. between the two is when you're talking about osteoarthritis, you're talking about the covering of the cartilage of the joints. That wears down. That has nothing to do with the quality and density of your bone. That's what osteoporosis is. It's actually the density of your bone. What can we do to halt osteoporosis, prevent it, or as you say, slow the growth? Uh, one of the things is that exercise, 30 minutes a day of an impact exercise, running, jogging, walking briskly, lifting bands, doing weights, making sure you get enough vitamin D, and making sure you get enough uh, calcium in your diet. Okay. Christine, you're a registered nurse at South Coast Health. You're also a patient of Joan Wildenhain. And you also have a history of, of bone health issues. So talk about your symptoms and your history. So I never really had any initial symptoms. Uh, what, what ended up happening is I had a couple of fractures within a short period of time, like a year of each other. I had broken my ankle and then within the next year I had fractured a toe. And at that point, I had seen Joni. We went and I had a DEXA scan. And that's kind of how the process began. Um, and it was discovered that I was in the early stages. So at that point, I began treatment. And what did you do for treatment? The initial treatment I did was Forteo, which was an injection that I would give myself in my abdomen daily. And I want to say, I think it was, was that a three-year or a two-year treatment, Joni? I can't remember. That was two years. Two years. So I knew there was a maximum time I could do that. So that was my initial um, treatment. Uh, Joan, explain what that medication is. So you have a parathyroid uh, gland. You've got four small ones behind your thyroid. It regulates your calcium in your blood. And when your level drops, the think of P for police, it actually goes into the bone and takes calcium out of the bone to keep the calcium level in your blood normalized. So what Forteo and Timos, those are analogs for PTH, which means they work off of the parathyroid and it creates more calcium to develop more bone. Mm -hmm. What are the requirements for calcium? How important is that in the diet and as a supplement? So calcium, you need 1,200 milligrams after the age of 50 in your diet daily, and the body uh, prefers it natural. The National Osteoporosis Foundation has a list of those foods, and it's an estimated list, and I go over that with patients. And What, what do they include? They, um, well, to start off, you, you're going to start with dairy. So you have to be very mindful of the patient and whether or not they're lactose intolerant, right. vegan. So, And also fortified foods. I personally drink almond milk, 
-hmm. eight ounces of almond milk that I drink is 450 milligrams of calcium in one serving. Mm -hmm. So three servings would give me 1350. So I go over that with the patients as well. There's, it's also in vegetables. Mm -hmm. People, there is calcium in spinach, but you can't count that because it binds to oxalate. So you don't absorb the calcium there. What you absorb is the iron mm -hmm. and the vitamin C. So it's not something you take out of your diet. But there's also sardines, cheese, frozen pizzas, mm -hmm. kale. You, there's a lot mm -hmm. of foods. Christine, what are some of the, based on what Joan just said, what are some of the things that you're doing in terms of your food choices and your exercise? So exercise is probably what I'm better at than food choices necessarily. I don't have any issue with, with dairy. So I do have milk. I do do almond milk also in my coffee. I do exercise three to five times a week, whether it's, you know, walking, weightlifting. I do some, you know, gym classes, try to keep active. It was kind of trying during the whole COVID thing, which is a, a different story, but um, that's what I try to do is keep active. Hmm. Joan, should the exercise be weight-bearing? Should it be walking or running or weightlifting rather than swimming or stretching? Two, two exercises that does not promote uh, bone health is going to be swimming and cycling. They're good for general health. So cross-training mm -hmm. is fine, but don't depend upon that to be the only thing that you do. As far as weightlifting, yes. Weightlifting, yoga, there's been some studies that show that yoga can have a small effect on bone health because you're impacting the bones, stretching and stimulating muscle. But you have to be mindful of what exercise you're doing because you can stress the spine with certain uh, movements. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to ask about other alternatives to help with bone loss or the effects of bone loss as we age. And that is hormone replacement therapy. There's a lot of controversy about this, I mean, whether it's in pill form or it's in cream form. Um, what's your feeling about this? Well, I'm not a GYN nurse or a nurse practitioner, so I tend not to deal with those. And I tend to deal with, actually, I follow the algorithm that the foundation gives me. And they really don't promote the hormonal aspect. They, that, that's literally left for the GYN doctors and nurse practitioners. So I really can't comment. I'm not an expert on that. The reason why I'm not an expert on it is because I've never prescribed it. Okay. What are some of the common treatments, Joan, for osteoporosis beside what you've already said? So there's a new drug out on the market. I'll start at the top. It's called Evanity. And that works in, the, in bone morphology. You've got osteoblasts and osteoclasts. You also have sclerostin. And those are, those, that stops the breakdown of bone. And it also helps build bone. And that is the last one on the market that is a very effective drug that can raise your bone density very quickly within a 12-month period. And then I already spoke about Forteo and Timulus. That's the PTH analog. There's also another medication that's very well known called Proli. It's actually on TV. And that works in a different system, which builds 20-year-old good dense bones. So all of the above actually build good 20-year-old dense bone. The difference with the treatments that the older treatments like Fosamax, which everyone knows they take a pill, you've got to sit for 30 minutes. 
That's called a bisphosphonate. That treatment there is a good drug, but you have to remember that it doesn't build bone. It stops the breakdown of bone and it allows you to build your own age bone. So when you're talking, when you're looking at a patient's history and you're seeing that they have a bone density that's really, really low and they're at really high risk and they're fracturing, you're not going to want to put them on something that's going to let them build their own age. You want to get 20-year-old dense bone and then end with that drug. So those are the ones that are on the market right now. Yeah. What are the risk factors? Do the benefits outweigh the risk factors or does it depend upon the patient? So the risk factors, well, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the top. Eventity. There's a black box warning that if you've had a heart attack or stroke in the past 12 months, you would not prescribe that drug. A lot of the bone medications will cause osteonecrosis of the jaw. That means bone death to the jaw. That is extremely rare. Not when it happens to you, but it is extremely rare. They did a study on prolia being on it for 10 years. Was there any difference with side effects? And the answer was no, that you could be on it and not have to worry about increasing side effects. There was a study done, Dr. Lewicki, he's one of the top endocrinologists in the National Osteoporosis Foundation, and he put a slide up for at our conference uh, last year, and it said, it went from one side to the other, it said high cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, and it said heart attack, stroke, death, heart attack, stroke, death, heart attack, stroke, death. And no one ever died from an osteoporotic medication. So the side effects are real, but they're rare. Mm -hmm. The benefits outweigh the risks. Christine, how are you maintaining your health in terms of living with osteoporosis, in terms of what you're taking, eating, and exercise, and medication? What are you doing now? So now I finished the two-year max on the Forteo, and I am currently on Prolia. I also um, take a vitamin D supplement daily. Again, I do exercise. I try to be sufficient in my calcium intake. I have regular checkups <laughs> and, and I do my bone densities just to make sure everything's still going according and I'm not having any more loss. How would you say having osteoporosis has impacted caring for your patients as a nurse? So. Directly, I think it's more so like my, my, my loss of time out of work that was affected by my injuries, um, which was secondary to my osteoporosis. That was probably the biggest detriment because I lost time at work. I am aware that I have osteoporosis, so um, I, I try to do good body mechanics try to go slower because I'm, I'm a fast-paced kind of person just because I, I could be more prone to fractures. But all in all, I think being, you know, staying active and, you know, trying to keep a good regimen mm -hmm. and, you know, take my medication. I think my lifestyle is pretty unaffected. Just great. Doing all those things. Bruce from Middletown, Rhode Island, was no stranger to pain. I kept hurting my back. Then I found out I have degenerative disc disease. From the age of 15 to the age of 35, I had 12 surgeries. I was in agony. And it was a three-year period where I deteriorated to the point that I couldn't stand up. 
and I wanted to give up. Then Bruce met with a neurosurgeon at South Coast Health. Very impressed with him, his honesty, and he told me what he was going to do. South Coast Health is nationally recognized for superior outcomes in spine surgery and neurosurgery. To find the right South Coast physician for you, call 844-744-5544 or go to southcoast.org. I can't tell you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Not to be in pain is phenomenal. Life is good. <laughs> South Coast Health, more than medicine. Joan, is it at all possible to reverse the effects of osteoporosis and gain back bone mass? Absolutely. That's what we're doing with Christine right now. Absolutely. We get bone densities every year when you're on treatment. And some patients will, will start to get upset because they don't see any big improvement, but they have to realize that you're supposed to lose bone as you grow older. And when we get the bone densities and you say, oh, well, it's 2% increase, that's a lot. And patients will say, well, that's not a lot, but they don't realize actually that is a lot. And I have, hmm. Christine, I don't know when our last time we had your bone density, but she's improving. She's not in the osteoporotic range anymore. So I have many mm -hmm. patients that go from osteoporosis to osteopenia, and then I need to change mm -hmm. the medication because now we need to just maintain what we've, what we've built. Mm -hmm. so yes. What about being in osteopenia range? Uh, in the numbers, minus 1.5 to minus 2.4 as a T-score. Okay. And what about medication if you're osteopenia rather than osteoporosis? Depends on what your history is. If you have a fracture, you have a diagnosis of osteoporosis despite what the, the bone density says. That fracture trumps everything. And if you come to see me and you're not osteoporotic and you've not fractured and you're osteopenic, then I, I pretty much will still put you on a bone building to get, get you to build up your bone because we don't want, we want to prevent fractures. That is the goal, is to prevent a fracture. When you put someone on bone building, is that a medication? Yes, typically an injectable. Okay. Whether it's osteopenia or osteoporosis, depending upon the history of the person. Correct. If the person has a history of rheumatoid arthritis and on prednisone, that's going to affect their bone health. So you really don't want to you really want to be aggressive and make sure you build that bone up because they're only going to lose it. And that brings me to the question, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, even though it's not directly related, um, is that a warning sign if you have arthritis that maybe you need to be on medication if you have osteopenia or osteoporosis? Yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, the medications that they uh, put the patient on cause osteoporosis. So do the medications when you have breast cancer and you want to prevent the cancer coming back. That causes osteoporosis as well. Medications like? Uh, tamoxifen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. Famara. Mm -hmm. I have an identical twin who, has, uh, who had breast cancer, had radiation, had chemo. I told her she needed to get a bone density as a baseline and to talk to her oncologist because she was going to get it. She was going to get osteoporosis being on Famara, and he agreed, and they put her on Prolia to prevent osteoporosis. And that worked? Yes. So there's what you're saying is there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of factors here. 
because, you know, again, mm-hmm. if, if you have issues with cancer or with breast cancer or with arthritis, you want to put all this together mm-hmm. and make sure that the medications don't interfere with each other. Correct. Correct. I have a six-page questionnaire that patients fill out when they come in to see me. It's a comprehensive medical history. As Christine knows, she had to fill it out. And it's, it's a lot of, and you're saying, well, why are you asking this question? Well, it's very convoluted. Bone health is very convoluted. It's an endocrine disease and it's, it's multifactorial. Do you think that anyone who is in menopause or is losing bone mass or has issues with bone health, should they see someone like yourself as a preventive measure? Yes, I do. I run the Fracture Liaison Service in orthopedics, but I just had a meeting today with um, another physician, and we're trying to get an osteoporosis program going for South Coast so that primary cares will be guided as to what they need to do to begin watching for bone health. And I have a lot of primary cares that will get a bone density and refer up to me, and the patient hasn't fractured, and the goal is not to fracture. Okay. Are there any recent technological breakthroughs to better understand osteoporosis? Not to my knowledge, except for the fact that we're looking, we're looking now, sclerostin, which is a part of the cell, of the bone cell, that identity, the treatment that came out, that changed how we're looking at osteoporosis. But also, some of the studies are showing that it's not maybe at menopause that we're starting to lose, that it's probably perimenopausal and that maybe we need to rethink when we're going to get our DEXA scans, not wait till menopause and after the age of 50 and perhaps change that mm-hmm. so that we can mm-hmm. start to prevent more bone loss at an earlier age. Yeah, thank you. Um, Christine, in terms of working with your patients, I asked you this before about how it impacts your care, but what are some of the things that you're seeing with your patients that is helpful when you work with them on a regular basis? Well, my, I, I work in OB. So most, most of the patients I see are definitely not dealing with osteoporosis because they're, they're definitely premenopausal. So I think there's probably looking at our current patient group, there's probably a high number of women that are going to be candidates for problems with osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. Your comments, Joan, on that? Well, one thing you can ask a patient is if they breastfeed because they can lose, the calcium will go to the baby first. So the longer they breastfeed, Mm -hmm. the uh, the higher incident of them getting osteoporosis sooner. So breastfeeding is actually a question that the nurses on the OB floors should be saying, make sure you're getting enough calcium in. They should talk to a dietitian and make sure that they're taking in the right amounts for themselves because they're being depleted because it goes we to the child. We are a baby-friendly institution, so we do promote breastfeeding, first of all. You know, breast is best. So we do have lactation consultants that are there to assist patients in education, not only in the process, but in self-care. This is great information, and I'd like to ask you both for closing thoughts. So, Joan, what would you like to leave our listeners with today about osteoporosis and prevention? So osteoporosis is preventable, 
It is not a female disease. It is not when you grow older. There are many people that are not osteoporotic. 69% of Americans are vitamin D deficient, so that is something we really need to work on. So getting enough vitamin D to help the calcium get into the bone is extremely important. And exercise, exercise, exercise. There is one woman that supports the National Osteoporosis Foundation, and she's a speaker. And she started walking at 50 years old and 66 years old. She has now done 15 marathons and her numbers have not changed. So exercise is extremely important. Yeah, thank you. Your closing thoughts, So Christine. I would just say that being a woman with osteoporosis, um, I'm very grateful that I met Joni and she got me diagnosed, um, that she got me on a treatment plan because I am an active person and I, I, I want to enjoy my life at this time and not be restricted because of bone loss. And I want to live a long time. So I think it, it's important, you know, to take care of yourself, get tested and do what you need to do to stay strong. Thank you both very much for being on the program today. I'm Patricia Raskin, and this has been our segment on osteoporosis with Joan Wildenhain, nurse practitioner, as well as Christine Salvo, a registered nurse at South Coast Health and a patient of Joan Wildenhain. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. To subscribe to this podcast, visit www.southcoast.org forward slash healthy dash aging. While you are there, we want to hear from you. Please take the time to complete a quick survey so we can learn more about the topics for upcoming episodes that you are most interested in to live a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to our hosts, Patricia Raskin and South Coast Health. This podcast is brought to you by creative content developer Raskin Resources Productions and produced by Virtually You.